What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Will, and this week got a little bit of a change up for you guys. I'm going to be doing a Q&A with my boy Xander Kiter uh, on this episode of the pod. So uh, I have a very, very busy week this week with school. Uh, we're in our finals week for cardio and respiratory, which is at least at, at my med school, it's supposed to be the, the hardest preclinical sort of block of information, uh, and it is certainly difficult. So uh, all that said, um, that's just my excuse for not having time to bring on a, a new guest this week. Uh, but thankfully, I got a ton of great submissions by all of you uh, on the Instagram page, uh, giving me some questions to answer for this week. So super excited to dig into that with Xander. I will say there were two or three, I think, questions that I just didn't have a good answer to. And uh, I have those penned down. And when I have a little bit more breathing room, I'm going to I'm going to research them. And uh, I'm going to hopefully put the answers to those questions in the intro to the next episode in a couple weeks here. So thank you for all your questions. They were really fun, uh, not just surface level questions, a lot of really sort of digging deep, getting granular and, um, had a lot of fun. Uh, I apologize for Xander's audio. Uh, gosh, if that kid is going to be a regular on the podcast, I might have to just like send him a mic, uh, cause his AirPods don't do the trick, but, uh, <laughs> we're, we're working with what we got. You guys know that. And, um, yeah, again, great times. Excited for a little bit more breathing room, a little bit more free time after this week. And um, without further ado, let me tell you guys a little bit about a company called Hyperlite Mountain Gear. Uh, I first found Hyperlite when I was looking into getting a pack for the Appalachian Trail back in 2019. I was drawn to them because they're a local main company and because their packs have a reputation for being incredibly lightweight while also being highly durable and highly water resistant. Uh, I can attest that their packs absolutely live up to the reputation. I didn't even carry a pack liner or a pack cover on the AT with me, and my gear stayed plenty dry. Uh, plus, my 3400 Windrider uh, is still usable. I still bring it out once in a while uh, for hikes, and it is still a, a f plenty usable backpack, and I have well over 3,500 miles on it. Um, so whether it's the Appalachian Trail, the Winter Hut Traverse, the White Mountain Diartissima, uh, if I've had a backpacking pack on my back, it's been Hyperlight Mountain Gear can't recommend their packs highly enough and uh, so right now they're having a special offer for my podcast listeners head over to hyperlightmountaingear.com and use the code from the backcountry for 15 percent off your entire order that includes backpacks but that also includes their tents their stuff sacks their quilts and all that good stuff um, so that's it Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I'm excited for the upcoming weeks. Got some great guests coming on. Um, excited for, well, I love ski season, but I'm also excited for the snow to start melting a little bit here and to start trail running again. Um, I've been in PT for like two months now for my Achilles, and we're just getting to that point where I'm really starting to ramp the running back up. I'm starting to add back in trails, um, but, you know, the trail running super variable right now with snow, so... That's a little bit of a life update. I'm uh, enjoying skiing, excited for trail running, uh, staring down the barrel of finally being healthy, which is a, a big, big change for me running-wise. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been fully healthy. And um, yeah, 
thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you like this sort of Q&A style content, let me know and I can do more of it. I'm also uh, not opposed to doing sort of more like informational episodes if people are interested in like intro to ultra running or intro to backpacking or how to do this, how to do that in the wild, how to get into ski touring, like whatever. If you guys want more content that's not always um, not always interviews, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, I think talking to people is the biggest reason I do this podcast. But again, there are going to be weeks like this where I just don't have time for that. So um, it's fun to fun to do Q and A. It would also be fun to do more uh, more directed stuff. I was even thinking like it would be fun to do you know history of the White Mountains kind of podcast episodes or uh, or stuff like that. So I don't know. You guys let me know. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later and I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Good to be back. Yeah, welcome back. A friend of the pod. Uh uh an always useful tool in the toolkit. Um, how are you doing right now? You're doing great. It's a, it's a nice little distraction to be here instead of reading the law. Yeah. No one needs the law. So I'm happy for you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got a I got a lot of questions off the off the Instagram polls. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, I was planning to do this by myself and then I, well, and then Xander was like, why don't you have me on the podcast? And I said, that's a, that's a great point, Xander. I would much rather talk to you than myself. Yeah, way, to, so, <laughs> way to make it seem like I invited myself on the show, even though that's dude, exactly you did. what I did. You're a clout chaser. <laughs> that's so true. I am. <laughs> All right. Um, Follow me on Insta. <laughs> <laughs> Xcoder two on Insta. Uh, all right, so yeah, we got a lot of stuff to go through. First, uh, let's start it off strong here. What are the top five iconic East Coast FKT routes? Uh, I gave a preview of this on Insta. My the 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 list I put out on Insta was uh, uh, Hut Traverse, Prezi Traverse, Long Trail, Appalachian Trail, and Great Range Traverse, and I think there's there's a few that like could fit into that like last spot where the Great Range Traverse is. Uh, I think, um, I think personally, if it if all things were equal, just like coolness of the route, I would stick the Hundred Mile Wilderness in there. I think, I think I like the Hundred Mile Wilderness. Uh, I think the one thing holding it back right now is sort of the 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 times on it, <laughs> just because it's like, yeah. So yeah. it's such a it's such a hard route to like make a fast time on, but I think that could change this summer, uh, possibly. So, uh, I think after this summer, there's going to be a case for it. Yeah, yeah. I think after yeah, this summer, there's going to be a case to be made. Yeah, I, I tend to think of like the the Appalachian Trail like as a whole PCT and CDT to sort of be in a different like they are FKT routes. I tend to think of them as like in a different category. Um, mm. So like. I don't know why they're just like they're total through hikes, you know, like they're 
they're they're so different from something like the Prezi Traverse. It doesn't really seem right to be in the same category, uh, even though they're both fastest known times. Um, sure. But I think that they're sort of in a class, a class of their own. Um, yeah, that, that great range spot, I think you got to nod something to the Adirondacks or mm-hmm. some, somewhere in New York because there's such good terrain there. But yeah, yeah. I'm biased towards uh, the 100 mile wilderness. I think uh, I think after this year's up, it'll be on that top five list. Yeah, yeah, it very well could be. I think there will be a strong argument. Um, I I feel that with the with the Appalachian Trail, and I think the way the question was worded, it was specifically East Coast FKT routes, and so like I think nothing really personifies the East Coast quite like the Appalachian Trail. If it were Northeast, I I think Northeast or New England is like probably better for us to stay in uh just because like someone also started pointing out to me that there are a bunch of trails that i just like totally overlooked that are on the east coast but like down south so like the pinhody the florida trail uh mm-hmm. the foothills trail uh benton mckay mckay trail uh like those are all super like in the conversation but i just don't know them very well so um yeah, no. When I when I was answering this I question, I think that there's a, oh, I think ahead. that there's a hundred mile route through through Shenandoah that's like ridiculously fast. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It might be like the skyline mm-hmm. um, through Shenandoah, but I remember looking at it one time. It was, it was crazy quick. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of stuff. I think obviously we're coming at it from the point of view of a of a New Englander. Um, and I had kind of uh, stopped to, <laughs> in my mind, the East Coast stops like below New York, essentially. But uh, that's not true. There are plenty of other great trails out there. And a top five list when there are so many trails is kind of silly anyway. Uh, move on. Time to move on. Um, let's go with a different. <laughs> Jason sent me like, Jason Hardreth sent me like 15 questions. So I'm going to pick some that aren't him. Um where do you go mentally when endurance efforts get hard? You want to start with that one? Yeah, hallucination station. <laughs> That's it. Uh, no, I think locking in is just sort of like letting, I sort of waver between letting the mind go blank and then being like ultra focused on like checking in where my body's at. I think that like when when it's really really low the best thing that you can do is just like go from bottom to top and like how are my toes doing how are my arches how are my knees like and and then you just sort of i i tend to feel like i start to get a little bit more rhythm after that and checking in with your body gets you going yeah i think that is very fair that's that's something that uh that's something that i do too and i think it's uh like it's easy when you're sort of getting mentally low on a on a long run to feel like oh my gosh like I'm in so much pain and like this sucks so much and then if you if you actually like unless you're in actual acute pain from an injury if you take a step back and check in with each part of your body individually most of the time you can come to the conclusion that like oh, I'm actually fine like <laughs> this like this doesn't hurt that bad um so I, I think that's important. I also think for me, it's it's a battle of 
being able to like dissociate from the time. Uh, like if you really zone in on the minutes passing by, then I think it becomes almost impossible for me. Uh, so that's like when I get super into super mental lows, that's where I don't listen to a ton of like podcasts and music while I'm running, but that's when I usually whip it out and just try to like keep the legs moving and forget what I'm doing. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Cool. Um, and then also, uh, I think fair to mention going back to sort of like your whys and like your motivations and having those really fleshed out before you do mm-hmm. something big so that when you're in those like dark moments, you can kind of pull them out. I think that's super important. Right. Yeah. Creating like a mantra or a quick, quick list. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. Best way to start getting into ultra running. What do you, what do you think that is? Um, so I think like with anything, it's, continually pushing yourself to a place where you're just a little bit uncomfortable like don't if you've if you've only ever run a 5k don't jump right to a 50k you know but if you've run a 5k go run a 10k and then run a few 10ks and then eventually 10ks will start not feeling that bad and then from there take the jump to a half marathon and at first 13 miles will feel like a lot but eventually 13 miles will feel like oh like i'm very comfortable here then start you know keep making those incremental jumps eventually you'll be running marathons you know relatively comfortably i mean everyone gets sore if you're running a marathon Uh, but then you could take that jump to a 50k that's your first like real ultra probably uh and a 50k will feel hard but it's only a few, it's only like five more miles than an ultra. So you'll, or five more miles than a regular marathon. So you'll be able to do it. It'll hurt. Uh, but then like once you, again, it's just a build, like, like Xander and I didn't start out running hundred milers, right? We, it was a, it was a long, long build process. Yeah. I think it, it depends on where, where you're starting from. I think it's, it's very difficult to jump into ultras. Like if you're coming from like a non like running background, mm-hmm. um, like that, that, that takes, that takes a lot of build just like it would if you were just, if you decided that you wanted to run a marathon. Um, but I think for a lot of people who have like somewhat of a running background, like people can really surprise themselves if they like, if they're comfortable running a 10 K you could run just like you could run a 10 K at like your easy pace, walk for 15 minutes, I can almost guarantee you could do another. And then I could almost guarantee that you could do like another one after that. And you're at like 20. I think right. it's just sort of building up the confidence through through breaking up the distance while staying moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people undervalue, like if you do sort of mentally, mentally taxing work, you know, for eight to 10 hours a day, like in in a job or through school or whatever, like that does sort of build up your like mental endurance and capacity to capacity to suffer, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. And if you just keep the effort low enough, like you can go the distance. You just have to stay very physically in tune. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I know for sure, like 
back back in back in college when I was on uh, when I was on sort of like an internship kind of thing, and I was working twelve once in a while, sixteen hour shifts in a hospital. Like, I'd come home from that and be exhausted, but then like the next day, if I'm gonna go run five hours, it's like oh, like I've worked hard for twelve to sixteen hours straight. Like a five hour run really doesn't feel that bad, you know? Yeah. So it's that it's that, yeah. that the mental yeah, component obviously, is obviously it's very difficult to like work a 12 hour shift. Right. And then say, okay, I'm going to race like five hours tomorrow. Like that, sure. that is super, super hard. But if you're, yeah. if you're trying to get the, if you're just trying to build the distance, like I think it, it totally helps. Yeah. 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 For sure. I, yeah, to be clear, I'm not, I'm not working 12 hour shifts the day before I do uh, a race effort. <laughs> um, exactly. Okay. Uh, Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, next big project. I uh, I can dodge this one beautifully by saying that I just signed up for a um, uh, the the true strength twenty four hour uh, ski like ski tour vert slamming extravaganza that they have at Mount Abram, which is on March twenty fifth. I I said I was not going to do another uh, big ski touring effort, and I lied through my teeth apparently so that'll be super fun i have no idea how it's going to go but i have a great support crew coming out and uh i have extra gear coming in so hopefully hopefully i'll be able to compete with the with the big dogs that are slamming lots of vert um and that's my next big it's gonna be great man yeah how about you uh I mean, probably people who listen to your podcast know that I, I'm training for a 100-mile wilderness FKT attempt um, in mid-June, trying to go as close to the to the solstice as possible. Um, yeah, that's a that's my big effort. Beyond that, I'm uh, I'm not really looking too far beyond that. Though in recent weeks, I've thought about signing up for the grindstone um 100 which is a race that is newly being put on by utmb down in virginia um i think in years past i i've like had one goal and not really looked beyond it at all um yep and i think that there's value in that but sometimes it's good to have another thing on the calendar um yeah and i've i've thought about the 100 mile wilderness for so long now it's sort of good to have a uh a plan in place yeah after yeah. after uh after june yep it's great all right but 100 mile wilderness is uh is gonna be blazing absolutely blazing yeah dude it's gonna be sweet i can't wait for that i'm so stoked um i will be merely on the support crew for that one it's gonna be sweet probably gonna slam like 30 miles with your boy and uh it'll be awesome <laughs> all right I just realized like how many questions there still are. So we're going to go rapid fire, like minute tops for a little bit here. Um, uh, all right. This one's for me. What did your progression into ski touring look like? How did you get into it? Uh, so long story short, Zach McCarthy is the man, uh, love Zach McCarthy. Basically, um, we were doing the New Hampshire three mountain challenge and he was like, like, 
I know the point of the New Hampshire three mountain challenge is that you're carrying your skis up, but have you ever ski toured? And I was like, no, I've never ski toured. I don't even like really understand what it is. And then he was like, there's literally no reason that you shouldn't be ski touring. This is ridiculous. You should slam vert. And so he, he pushed me in that direction. He helped me out with like figuring out gear and all that stuff. Um, and then there were some other people that really helped me out getting into ski touring as well. Um, I'd say that if you want to get into ski touring, the first thing I would do is find either demo a ski touring setup or go to an event like Zach's having with all his inclusive ski touring stuff and just try it out. See if you like it because it is a big investment. Uh, no doubt it's a, it's high barrier to entry, really expensive. So test it out, see if you like it. And then um, and then look for used stuff. Honestly, I think used stuff, especially I mean, if you've got the money to spend on new stuff and you want to go for it, but I don't think that's super necessary. Um, and there are boots that can do both regular alpine skiing and ski touring. And they're, they're not the lightest things ever, but you can get like regular ski boots that have pins in them. So look for those two. There's a, there's a big rabbit hole with ski touring, but it's a lot of fun. Um, is there an app that shows a track for the bushwhacks to isolation? That's a super specific question um yeah the the answer is i don't know i know some some things like garmin connect garmin connect often has like sort of heat map route creations and so if enough people mm -hmm. do a route it'll just like think there's a trail there so i wouldn't be surprised if the isolation bushwhack was on garmin connect or something similar um but I don't know for sure. I'm I'm gonna get back to this specific person on this, um, and I, I'm gonna yeah, look into it. If, if you if if you can find somebody else who did it, um, like and they're on Strava or Garmin Connect, you should just be able to download their their GPS file and follow it. That's true. I don't know how to download someone else's Strava file, but I definitely know you can. You can just like copy paste their route on on garmin if they have a garmin yeah yeah uh strava i think it requires the subscription but uh sure um, you could also you, you could also do a uh, little free trial action download it use yep. it to your heart's content yep um all right what mountain seems to have the most pine martin sightings I'll be honest, the only mountain in the whites that I've ever seen Pine Martins on is uh, is Lafayette. And I don't know if that's just coincidence. i got to look up what a Pine Martin is. There's those little, I think it's those little orange ferret-looking things. Yeah. Uh, no idea. Never, never seen one. Oh, never seen well, one. you're missing out, man. They're cute, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah. nice. So I don't know I don't know what the actual statistics are on this, but I've only ever seen them on Lafayette. Uh, Zach McCarthy classic wants the wants an update on what he calls doctor school. Uh, and I we can we can put a lawyer school update in here as well for you. Uh, doctor school is really hard right now, oh, hence sure. why I don't have time for like a uh, a normal podcast this week. We've got finals for. Oh, it's, it's giving me the weird feedback again. Uh, we've got finals this week for 
cardio and respiratory, which are supposed to be the, this is supposed to be the hardest block of, of preclinicals, at least at my med school. Um, so I'm in the thick of it right now. Things are really busy, not the lowest stress I've ever been, but you know, almost at the end of it. And, uh, and it's still like, a you have to keep in mind that it's a, it's an amazing opportunity. And like a lot of people would, a lot of people would really like to be where I am right now. So it's all in perspective. How about you? How are you doing? <laughs> what a pretentious statement. A lot of people would like to be where I am right now. Well, no, it's, um, like, it's a lot of no, people. It, it, be, is, it is I, true. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Uh, law school is fine. Um, we don't have the, the like sort of constant exams like med school does. So it really ramps up at the end of the semester. Uh, really right now I'm just sort of staying on top of the reading and writing, but mm. it's good stuff. You just got to get everything on paper and then into your brain. Yeah. That's all it is. On paper in brain. Sounds so simple, doesn't yeah. it? All right. It is. Uh, <laughs> next. I'm always curious to hear about people's nutrition on trail. Uh, as, as fervent podcast listeners will know, Xander and I are, are, believers in infinite nutrition uh which if you don't know is a uh, a full total nutrition powder that you mix into your water and so all you have to do is drink your water yeah the only thing i've used other than infinite for only training runs has been um it's like the endurance tap it's just it's essentially maple syrup with a cut with a little bit of ginger I think that that's really nice if you're doing something that's like not longer than five hours, like where infinite doesn't really seem worth it. So that's my yeah, take. sure. Yeah, I think there's also an issue, at least from what I've talked to my really fast sort of marathony friends about, is that like if you're going fast enough, the liquid nutrition kind of can become a problem with like digestion. It's like sloshing around yeah. in there and becoming all foamy. So um, we don't go, I, I don't go that fast most of the time. So it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, for me on big efforts, it's infinite. And then I supplement with gels from time to time if I need it. But that's kind of it. And it's golden. Yeah, I agree. But I think if you're going to, if you're going to like supplement infinite with anything, like if you're doing, something that requires you to go like a little bit faster where you could have the digestion problem go mm -hmm. for something like energy or um or like the maple syrup that's like very easy to digest like much easier than goo yeah or morton morton's like great too yep cool um what outdoor activity are you most excited to do looking forward I don't know if it's talking about like general activity or like a specific effort. Uh, I'm going to take it as general activity <laughs> and I, I'm going to say, I'm really looking forward to actually, honestly, so specific effort, really a thing I'm looking forward to most right now is pacing you on the hundred mile wilderness. I'm like uh, oh, maybe good. too stoked about that. And then generally I, I really haven't, done much trail running at all this winter so i'm stoked for the snow to melt and for, to be like running on dirt that's gonna be awesome yeah i i'm so excited being in new york like 
uh, I don't know. I mean, there are some carriage roads around Central Park that I run on, but it's not the same. Uh, I'm I'm super excited to get back back out on trail. Um, dude, you're not too stoked about about the hundo. I'm Just adequately like, stoked. Be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. Um, yeah. All right. Next question. Favorite sock. Uh, thank you, Polly Ray, for this for this question. Uh, it's a question that we get asked a lot. What is your favorite sock? Uh, on on a on a serious answer, I I'm a big believer in darn tough socks. I know that's like kind of a basic answer living in New England, but darn tough is awesome. And then when I'm doing big efforts, I layer uh, I put the the Injinji toe sock liners under my darn tufts and do a little double sock action and that's what works best for me to avoid the blisties yeah will's had a lot more trouble with like toe blisters than i have i yeah. i really haven't had that problem so then i like i i really like the smart wool socks which which effectively is the same as darn tough i just think that darn tough is like a little bit thicker like smart wool makes some really really nice like wool socks that are like still very thin um so if you don't have like blister trouble then like the the space in darn tough and like for injinjis underneath isn't quite as necessary yeah yeah for sure i guess and like is wool. say that again like the takeaway from this is that we both like merino wool socks Yes, for sure. Cotton kills. Don't do it. Um, all right. We already kind of answered a similar question to that. Uh, do you have, this one's kind of for you. So I'll, I'll give like a five second answer and then punt it to you. Ever think about trying some FKTs in the cat skills? Uh, so for me, no, because it's far away and I don't have time to go down there and actually scout things out to like make a good effort. Uh, yes, I have thought about it. It's, it's been exceedingly difficult to get out of the city um, this year, but I will likely have a car in in New York uh, next year and the year after. Um, and so, yeah, I've been thinking a bunch about getting up there um, and sort of treat that like I treated the woods uh, when I was living in Boston. Uh, I'm very excited to get up there, but haven't haven't gotten a chance to scout anything out yet for sure cool um yeah that'll be awesome cat skills is like a whole new playground for you yeah yeah all right uh what do trail runners do during new hampshire winters schemo hike cross country um yeah so you you can do anything you can you can still trail run in, in New Hampshire during the winter. I haven't done a whole lot of it this, this winter just because of my Achilles, but um, there are a lot of there are a lot of trails in New Hampshire that become just like brutal and like mostly impassable in the winter because no one goes on them and tracks them out. But there are a lot of trails that also get tracked out. And like once things are tracked out, you can run on them. So uh, that's a big thing. But then also like schemo and touring does become a huge thing. I've, I've gotten, again, I've gotten like big into touring this year and I think it's a great, trail running substitute and adds a little bit more fun with like the the downhill skiing component uh i know a lot of guys who take the winter completely off from trail running and just do nordic skiing cross country and um those guys are absolutely ripped so that's probably the the most 
training efficient thing to do if if you're looking for like best fitness um but yeah you can do a lot of things here in the winter yeah i think i think nordic is nordic is sort of ideal if you're feeling sort of burned out by like october like by the end of october right like you can mm-hmm. run some places that um i feel like i've had success winter trail running has been um usually there's stuff that gets tracked out pretty quick in the carter mariah range um there's like a loop there going up 19 mile brook and then over to you know carter dome and a little bit beyond there mm-hmm. um the the prezies normally get tracked out and then stuff over by well essentially lafayette gets gets tracked out like the franconia ridge loop you can be pretty confident will get tracked yeah, the only thing about those is that um, any anything above treeline, even when it gets tracked out, is subject to wind because, like, as soon as you get a lot of wind over it, it's just going to drift up. So yeah, um, but those but, are the three that I would I would say you've got a decent chance of getting decent trail running on for good sure. weather days. For sure, on a good weather day, the prezies in the winter are absolutely bomb. It's so good. Um, but you got to be careful, obviously. Um, you know, the Prezies are no joke in the summer and they're dangerous in the winter. So I take no responsibility for anyone's, uh, for anyone's problems. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip a bunch of your just heinous questions that you, that you submitted to me. Oh, here's one for you submitted by you. How do you ask someone out? (laughs) Oh, uh, as a man who's been yeah. in like an eight-year relationship, how do you ask someone out? Uh, you ask them if they want to get pizza. And then if they say yes, that is great. If they say no, you say thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much the only way to do it. Um, like, I don't really know how else you would ask someone out other than seeing if they want to get pizza. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's here's a good one. Uh, I t- I completed Tecumseh, but for sure consider myself a beginner. Uh, it looks like Tecumseh is their first of the 48. Which 4K should I do next? What do you think? Jeez. Um, I guess it depends on like the the endurance level, right? Like I, I guess maybe like hail right is only like five miles out and back if you do it as a solo trip yeah um i guess yeah yeah maybe zealand because the there's so much like lead in miles that are easy Mm -hmm. like it it just depends if you want to do one off i think people tend to do zealand a little bit later and like maybe even add it into like a zealand bond traverse um yeah yeah. I think good ones to start out with, like Tecumseh, you definitely hit a good one to start out with. Um Hale is is also not too bad. Wombeck is is quite mild. Uh the only thing about like those mountains is like if you're starting off with the easier mountains, a lot of the easier mountains don't have sort of quite the same payoff. So just don't get discouraged by that. Um obviously like you're building up and like the more you build up the more like grand views and stuff you're going to get but if you're looking for 
I, I would always toss out Canon as like a, uh, it's it's like yeah, steep, yeah. it's relatively steep, but it's consistent and the work to payoff ratio is very high. Like it's it's like a four or five mile round trip and you get some pretty amazing views. So, um, yeah, I'd say hail Wombat Canon. Yeah, if you if you feel like you've gotten like an hour to hour and twenty minutes of like power in your quads. Canon definitely will work. Yep. Um, cool. Have you ever run Race the Cog? No, I have not. Uh, and I would probably not be very good at it because I'm not very fast. How about you? I have not. No, I assume that's like the the auto road like race, right? I I would assume it's not the auto road. I assume it's the Cog since it's Race the Cog. Oh, wait, what? Like, 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 like you can't run on the railway. I think I think you can pretty much run like next to the railway the whole way up. Yeah, on the road. No, no, not on the road. The the road doesn't parallel the cog. The 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 cog is like its own thing, but it's like it's wide. There's like there's like margins on either side of the railroad. So you can just like I know people like tour next to the the cog a lot and i i think i think they're talking about a race that like just goes up next to the railroad uh i don't know for sure but i haven't done that it would be fun to do at some point it's probably just a yeah yeah sounds cool um all right uh stefano submitted when is our next date see guys i told you that i uh i knew the dating scene (laughs) Uh, Stefano, our next day is whenever you want it to be, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, that's all I have to say about that. My calendar's open. I literally, it's not like we're both getting absolutely jackhammered by school right now. We have plenty of time to just go on a friend date. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's a, besides the like many Jason Hardrath ones, I think that's most of the ones from my personal instagram so i'm going to jump over to the pod the pod instagram and see um see some of those all right again jason sent me a bunch of stuff on this one too but a lot of them are just names of people so i'm i'm assuming he's like asking me to interview these people in the future which looks cool but not the point of this exercise jason um jason's giving the people the content that they need yeah, so true. Um, will you be getting some skinny skis and ever getting into schemo racing? Uh, personally, probably not, at least in the near future. And the reason I say that is because I think it comes, I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but like to me, ultra running started as and continues to be for me an outlet for adventuring when I don't have the time to do like month long adventures and which is why I feel like I'm drawn to FKTs more than actual races. And I feel like when, when I'm doing an actual race, not that I have done many, there's like a, there's an element of adventure. It feels sort of like a sterilized environment. Like there is, there's a missing element of adventure, at least for me. And so if I'm doing backcountry skiing, I kind of want to be on some chunkier skis so I can go out in the backcountry, like 
ski some sweet lines, be like a little bit more adventurous with it. Schemo to me is basically just another form of racing and I'm just not very interested in it. Although I know Jack is basically like pounding these huge mountains out west with Schemo skis on. So, you know, I, you can do it, but I think I can also do all that stuff with my touring skis. So, yeah. How about you, Xander? Are you getting into Schemo anytime soon? No. <laughs> Emphatic. Yeah, no, it's, skiing for me is a leisure activity, so, you know, yeah, not, that's not fair. into it. That's fair. Um, what are your thoughts on a Prezi slash Cats loop? I'm assuming this means, like, a loop, like, a, a loop that's, like, a full Prezi Traverse plus a full Carter-Mariah Traverse with, like, the, oh, wait, Cat? Yeah, Wildcat. Wildcat, Carter-Mariah Traverse. Um, yeah. As, so there's, like, a mini version of that. Like, I, I believe it's, like, the AMC Three Huts loop. Um, yeah. If if you look that up, it's, like, basically, like, the Northern Presidentials plus the Wildcats. I think. Um, so if you're looking for that kind of loop, it kind of exists. If you wanted to, I don't think anyone has made a loop yet that does like a full Prezi and then a full Wildcat. That would be a, that'd be a large loop, especially cause like getting, getting to the Wildcats in a loop form from Jackson or Pierce would be like pretty hard. <laughs> there isn't like a good trail yeah. to, to loop through. I think going like going northbound, like it's I think it's totally feasible mm-hmm. and like it could be super cool, right? If you start at Crawford Notch and then like go down Osgood off of Madison. Um Well, but you but then like, you gotta I'll, if you're making it a loop, then you gotta like go from Madison over to Mariah. So I think you gotta go down Madison yeah, via like Daniel Webster Scout. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't buy the loop concept. I buy a point to point concept from Crawford Notch to like the center of Gorham or the whatever trail like Mariah spits out at in Gorham. Uh, yeah, sure. I think a loop would be crazy. Like it would be a ton of like road or essentially a double Prezi. Yeah, for sure. I I agree. I mean maybe so if you if you start at Crawford, go up the Prezies, go down Daniel Webster Scout up Mariah, go southbound, then you're like, the the problem is like, how do you get from the bottom of Wildcat back over to Crawford? It'd be a roundabout way, but I think you like could go up towards isolation and then like cut somewhere through the dry river, dry river wilderness. But I don't know. I'll get back to you on that too, because it's interesting. And I'd like to just like see what the route looks like. Point to point. Nah, no point to point. We make loops here. <laughs> um, all right. Next question. What will your next footwear purchase be? That's a good question. Do you know? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I do. Um, this, like, fall, I fell in love with what Kraft does for footwear um so right now i have like their their shoe i believe it's called the ctm ultra yeah it Mm is um not not the carbon plated one but like the same the same shape but without the the plate um 
and I, that is what I will be getting again. That is what I'm going to like race in this summer. Um, you, you're gonna yeah, get the CTM. Are you gonna get the CTM Ultra Trail for for the hundred mile wilderness? Do you think? I do not think so. Um, yeah, the the CTM Ultra just sort of standard is like is a great like roads trail shoe. I'm gonna I'm going to obviously try it out um, when I scout the hundred mile wilderness to make sure that it's fine. But mm. I believe that when Ben Melanson set his record on the hundred mile wilderness, I think he ran it in Ultra Duos. Really? That's kind I of crazy. So. I guess there's not like that much technical terrain. I just feel like I feel like I would be scared taking the duos over some parts of I guess like really the only super gnarly part would be the chairbacks. But it's also so rooty. Like if anything's wet, you're gonna be slipping all over the place. I don't know, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but the uh the CTM Ultra has has some decent like not huge lugs. Like if you're only running on road with it, you're not really gonna notice them too much. But right. like there's something there and it's it's pretty protective so that's yep. that's my shoe purchase all right cool i like it um i'm interested to see how that works out uh for me i like have like when i've i have a shoe problem and i just like tend to get them when i can get them for a deal even if i don't need them um and so i've compiled like i have like a few different pairs of ultra olympuses that are just in my closet i have uh, a pair of hoka speed goats that drummond talked me into trying and um i truly don't know when the next time i will buy footwear is because i just have like so many pairs of trail runners right now so uh tbd on what my next purchase will be but i can't really see anything else outside of speed goats or olympuses those are kind of my my two shoes right now try Uh craft well, I, I actually okay. I rode running craft, uh, which is awesome. I love craft. Uh, the 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 craft pro indoor is the best road running shoe I've ever tried, and uh, I love it. But I also their CTM Ultra Carbon Two. I have tried on trails, and I absolutely hated it. So I I I oh, can't do yeah. it. You gotta bring those, you gotta bring those to the hundred mile wilderness. Yeah, that's fine. You can the last leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure you We're are. Going next. For that. doing what we're doing sub five pace in the uh, in the ctm ultra carbon great love it um what do you think of the uh, i should have given you this question so you could do some pre-work what do you think of the instinct xx24 vest for through hiking uh if you want to google this real quick i can look it up or you don't have to um i had to google this because i'd never heard of it before but it is a it's a 24 liter um, vest. Um, I my my opinion on it for through hiking is that 24 liters is not very much for through hiking. If you're talking about like an actual through hiking experience, I personally wouldn't advise getting anything under like 30 or 35 liters for a backpack even if you're super ultralight uh that just doesn't seem like very much capacity to me if you're going for like if you're not really backpacking and you're like fast packing and you just have like a fucking tarp or something and like not very much gear then 
go for it. It looks really comfortable. Um, but in terms of like a pure through hiking backpack, I just think that's really, really small in my opinion. It's it more like a running vest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks chunky. I'm sure it'd be nice, but um, yeah, like you're saying, capacity for through hiking might be difficult. Uh, you, you just might not get like the reward that you really want from having a more streamlined system because you'd have to like leave things out. Right. You know, it's, it's cost benefit analysis. I would on a through hike that wasn't like for pure speed, I would probably go like whatever's going to make your life easier, which would probably be like a, a more traditional backpack with more capacity. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think people uh, go a little bit too far down the ultralight train in the sense of like, they think that light equals a better experience. And I think that is true to an extent until you get to the point where you're leaving out things that are vital for comfort. Like I'm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's my opinion. Um, okay. Training advice for someone training for Bubba's. Uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask this question to considering that I have had to drop out of Bubba's with an injury twice now. <laughs> um, although, so I will say like, I've always trained really hard for my a goal efforts and have never gotten hurt during one of them. And then basically like taking it really easy in the like month or two leading up to Bubba's and then gotten hurt. So I've always wondered like, oh, did I have, like was this just one too many efforts and I have an overuse injury going into Bubba's? My kind of thought now is that maybe I, maybe that's not the case. And maybe that the reason that I've gotten injured during Bubba's is because I've like taken my foot off the gas, allowed my body to get kind of a little bit weak and then asked it to run 150 miles. And it's like, that's not really how it works. Like, I think, uh, I think strength training is really important. Uh, I think that's something I've learned in the past few months is that you can't just, I mean, some people can just run. I know Jack only, Jack Kenzel only lifts reactive to injuries, but I think for most people and what I've seen the literature showing is that strength training really does help your, uh, your longevity and helps you to avoid, uh, stress injuries. So, um, I would also advise, like we were talking about earlier, long mentally tough days, because if you can meet the, the physical baseline, which is like pretty low, honestly, for Bubba's, like it doesn't take a big engine to get around a three and a half mile flat loop in an hour. Uh, it's a lot mental. Most people drop out of bubbles because of the mental portion. So if you can train yourself to push through exhaustion, I think that's I think that's really big. Yeah, I think it depends on what your goal is for bubbles. Uh, if you're looking to go like a hundred plus miles, I think what you you have to be able to do is be able to run like a 50k to 50 miler just sort of straight, like. I think you got you have to be able to do that sort of from a physical perspective and then mm -hmm. simulating it is like if you've got a job if you've got like a nine to five do your nine to five and have it be like a friday night or something just totally eat whatever you've got scheduled 
and like starting at 6 p.m. or something, like you you replicate it through the night because I think the mm-hmm. night is the toughest toughest part. And it wouldn't even be like it, that wouldn't be a massive like mileage strain. You might put down like 30 miles or something. Yeah. But if you simulate it till the sun comes up, like you you've probably got uh, a good enough engine to go a long time above us. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, this is this is like a little anecdote, but like Ed Clifford has won it every single year so far. And I've heard stories about Ed like coming home from a long day of work and then just like going out in his backyard and chopping wood for hours, like just to exhaust himself more. And so he'll like he'll just like exhaust himself during the day and then come home. And like when he really wants to just like stop he will do more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the mental component is so huge. Um, and then make sure you're well-trained enough that your body doesn't fall apart. Um, all right. What are your big FKT plans this year? And why do you feel the need to keep them secret? <laughs> this is a fantastic question. Uh, so, I don't think this really pertains to you because you're like pretty open about the hundred mile wilderness and that you're going for that and like when you're doing it and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I can, love I love the, he loves the limelight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can only speak for myself here. I think there are kind of two main reasons for me. The first is that, uh, and I think this is the bigger one is that it kind of puts, I have found that it puts unnecessary pressure on myself and I have tended to have a better time training and a better time with the effort if I just drop that I'm doing it like a few days before I do it rather than like having it be this big thing. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It, it's it's like a lot of it I think is self-imposed, but I feel like I have a generally better time with the whole experience of the effort if I'm not making a big deal out of it leading in like the lead up to it. Uh, the second part of it is that I have been bitten multiple times in the past by people knowing that I'm doing an effort and me not knowing that they're doing the same effort <laughs> and then, uh, you know, getting, getting sort of bit by that bug of like, not like this is a competitive enterprise. And, uh, if, if someone's, if, if I'm going after a competitive route, then I want every advantage I can get. And, and, uh, part of that sometimes is, is keeping quiet, I think. So, um, those are the two reasons for me. Uh, maybe I should be more open about what I'm doing, but again, I'm really only doing these efforts for my own self enjoyment and adventure. And I tend to enjoy it more if I don't advertise quite as much. Oh man, you're doing it for clout. Yeah, true. We all do it for clout. What are we talking about? Um, yeah. Okay. Let's see. Planning any FKT attempts for the season. So we kind of just talked about that. I'll tell you everything except my A goal. So I've got like my whole year kind of planned out. I'm doing the the 24 hour ski tour thing in March. In April or May, whenever it gets warm enough, I'm going to do the the Vermont Six Gap, which is a uh, 130 mile bike ride through Vermont. Uh, in July ish, I'm going to do my a effort in late August or early September. I want to do, uh, 
I want to do an Iron Man, like not not like an established Iron Man, but just like an Iron Man distance, just to say I've done it. Um, I want to establish a cool Iron Man route through the White Mountains. Uh, so I'm working with Jason Hardrath on that because he might come out and do it with me. Um, but we're just looking for like the right swim location. I think we want to end it with a Pemi, which will be kind of cool because it'll be like a 30 miler instead of a 26 miler, which will just be like add to the hardcoreness of it. Um, and then after that in October, I want to do some big effort, which I just like haven't decided what I want to do yet. It might be Bubba's. It might be the White Mountains 100 unsupported if no one's done it yet. Um, and that's that's it for me. Hopefully, hopefully all that stuff pans out. How about you, man? Outside of the 100 mile wilderness. Um, yeah, like I was saying earlier, Grindstone 100 would be would be fun. I'm not. I guess I'll probably try to do something in August. Um, because I have some free time there that I haven't booked up with anything. Um, but honestly, I haven't haven't thought about what what that would be. I, I tend to feel like the FKTs that I would like to go after um, just require, they require a lot of scouting, and it's hard for me to know whether I'm going to be able to do that scouting until, you know, maybe a month before. Um, mm-hmm. So it's... It's hard to know, but um, I think you can count on me doing 100 Mile Wilderness in June, uh, something in August, undetermined, and then potentially Grindstone at the end of uh, September. Yep. Cool. Uh, all right, we've got a few minutes left here. I'm, I'm just going to go until someone kicks me out of this room. So what – we're back to Jason's, like, 50,000 questions that he submitted. What is an international objective that you'd like to get up to? Um, I haven't looked like a whole ton at international international sort of efforts or routes. However, I know for certain that one big life goal of mine is to not even an FKT, but just hike the the Te Aurora over in New Zealand. Uh, I've I've heard and seen pictures of it, and it is one of the most gorgeous trails that I've ever seen. Uh, so I would definitely like to just backpack that at some point. How about you, man? Any anything abroad that you'd like to do? I mean, it, it's like every every ultra runner who's into into like racing wants to do UTMB. I could see myself going going down that uh, that cloak chasing path to, of course, uh, you know, qualify and stuff. Um, so we'll see. That, that's. You know, I, I love the Northeast a ton, so I, I sort of want to want to stay doing that unless I've got the chance to, you know, go to Chamonix. Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> all right. What is the beer mile equivalent in Schemo? <laughs> so that's a good question. I mean, fireball shot every uh, every 500 feet of vert. I was going to say about every 500 feet of vert because I think that, well, so I know that the the fastest uphill person I know is, or at least I know on skis is, uh, is Jordan Fields. And he, he went up the Dartmouth skiway in like 10 minutes, which is like a thousand feet of vert. So yeah, I guess, 
I guess every 500 feet, you, it wouldn't be the same frequency because like on a beer mile, you get the beer every like what minute and a half if you're fast yeah. or like minute and a half to two minutes. Whereas like this one, you'd probably get it every every like five to 10 minutes, depending on how fast you are. But yeah, I'd say a fireball shot every 500 feet of vert for for 2000 feet just sounds incredible. Yeah, it sounds like you'd be swimming in it. <laughs> we should make this happen, man. Where where can we? Well, I know where we can get two thousand feet of vert. We can do it at Pico. So, let's uh, dude, let's get let's get a group going and have the first ever inaugural uh, fireball. What's a beer mile? So fireball, fireball schemo. I don't know. Sounds like great. Dude, the <laughs> the downhill. Depending on how fast it hits you, the depending on how fast it hits you, the downhill part would be absolutely treacherous. <laughs> yeah, be awesome. Yeah. Um, um. Let's see. What is it like being so famous? Has the limelight ruined you? <laughs> uh. Yes, it has. I don't know, Xander, do you feel like the limelight, do you feel like being, what, a, a three or four time friend of the pod now has has ruined you? Uh, yes, absolutely, it has. I think I have no personality anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think when I, <laughs> so, I I personally can't walk down the street anymore without people saying, oh, you're the guy from the From the Backcountry podcast. Uh, it's just constant everywhere I go. And, um, <laughs> yeah, people, people love the pod. Um, it's up to, up to dozens of listeners now. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, yeah, the limelight has destroyed me. Uh, I'm a different person and I have, I have sold, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, I've got ads now, so I've sold out. Um, sure. yeah. It's, it's all over. It's all downhill from here. All right. Uh, I'll kind of combine these. What is the best peak bet? What is the coolest peak bagging events in the U.S. slash what are the best list style FKTs in the U.S.? Um, in the U.S.? That's kind of hard. Again, we're kind of in our Northeast bubble. Uh, and there, there are really only a few out here. I don't know. I think, well, again, uh, this was submitted by Jason, so it's kind of leading me a little bit. But the um, the the Rocky Mountain Slam is definitely definitely up there with its like just so many so many peaks in Colorado, Wyoming, and and Montana. Um, obviously, out here you got the forty eight and the forty six in the Adirondacks. Um, mm -hmm. other list based stuff like you've got the northeast 115 you've got the grid uh good old phil i mean that's probably one of the hardest ones is to to grid in a single year that's got to be way up there yes uh, uh would you consider i don't know i don't know what do you think what do you think i mean i don't know i I like the like New England 67 as a concept. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I don't know. The list the list style doesn't really like speak to me a ton as like a compelling objective. Weird, because since you spent the last year on the New Hampshire 48. I know, and I said this from the start. <laughs> I know, I know you're not a uh, beggar, notably. Yeah, right. But at the same time, I think that in like each region, there's probably like a list or two that like makes sense as a compelling objective, right? Like um, the Rockies with the slam or 14ers, that's probably a cool one. I don't know what out in California, but like there's probably a list out there. I feel like yeah. each region's got a got a list that like makes sense. Um, but it shouldn't just be like a list for the sake of having a list. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I like that. Cool. Uh, so a few more here. What mountain do you consider to have the best sunrise picks? Uh, Cadillac Mountain. Acadia Cadillac National Mountain. Park. Classic Acadia elitist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you, like, what do you want me to say? Like, of course. Like, it's not, not like a, not like a hardcore mountain, but like, I mean, it's, that's the place. Now, there's, there's a correct answer to this, and the correct answer is the Northern Presidentials. So, I apologize it's for not- your misstep there. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm gonna put a, I mean, I'm gonna put out an Instagram poll after the pod comes out about which which sunrise is better, and we both have to submit pictures so people can choose. All right, easily done. In sense like the Acadia sunrise, like is like an award-winning photo, like nope. year after year. You have to submit your own photo that you took. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> And if you don't have I a have picture of the Acadia sunrise. Moment. What was that? Oh, you live in the moment. Was, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't fit with your clout chasing style. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, if you haven't taken a picture of the Acadia sunrise, I think that says something about the sunrise. So I win. Sure. Uh, no, put put the poll out there. Uh, the people will know. All right, I'll put the bowl out there. Watch for it, guys. Um, if you're willing, oh, this is a this is actually a really cool question. If you're willing to volunteer on a support team for people, is there a place to let others know? So basically, like, is there a is there like a sort of social media for like creating a support crew? The answer to that, as far as I know, is no. It's all networking or you're a pro. And that is a really difficult. It would be really, really cool if there was this sort of thing. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Facebook group opportunity. Um, Yeah. That's a super interesting concept, though. Like if you're if if you like don't have an objective for a time frame, but like want to want to be a part of something that. Right. That's a super cool idea. Because mm-hmm. I think it can be hard from from both perspectives, right? Like you know that you're interested in crewing or pacing, but don't know what's going on because some people are keeping their objectives secret. Uh, and <laughs> sometimes when 
when, when you've got an objective, it like it, it is it, it can feel sort of weird to like reach out to people that you've talked to maybe only a handful of times and be like, hey, you want to do this thing that I'm like super, super emotional about and like you're gonna see me at my like absolute yeah. lowest and in a time right like like it's it's hard from from both perspectives. so I think that's a cool concept. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super hard. Like I think four years ago, if I'd wanted to put together a support group or something, I would have had approximately zero people to do it with besides like you. And like, (laughs) even this past summer with the 48, like we'd built up a relatively considerable network of people to pull from. And we were still only paced for 70 out of 170 miles. So like right now, this is this is part of the reason why, at least for me, I think that like right now I'm not interested in long distance, like multi-day supported FKTs because they're, unless you, you can be paced for every step of it, which is super hard for a multi-day effort, then you're at an inherent disadvantage to a pro who can just come in with a, a massive support crew and not carry anything. So I don't know. I I think something an easier way to put together a crew would certainly level the playing field more and would make it more realistic for like quote unquote amateurs to to compete at at sort of a high level on the longer distance stuff. Um I just think the days of with the popularity of the sport growing, I think the days of just like a ragtag group of boys going out and setting one of these big records is like coming to a, a close pretty quickly uh yeah i think it, i think it depends like it, it depends on on who your like ragtag group of group of people like are right like if, if you're being paced for 100 percent and nobody's professional you've definitely still got a shot but like yeah the, the more that or this past summer especially I think what you could see like how how important being paced for close to if not the whole thing for anything like you know 30 and above is it's just yeah. it's crucial yeah really i mean i and this was like again i'm not knocking anyone for having a full support crew for an entire effort like that's the smart thing to do you know like if we're gonna if we're gonna maximize yeah, just- time I was saying if we're going to maximize time on a route, then like, yeah, you should, you should like be paced for as much as you possibly can. That's like the super smart thing to do. Um, I think like, especially like I didn't, I've talked about this before, I think, but I, I didn't realize how big a thing it was like coming from backpacking. I was like, Oh, if I'm carrying a hydration vest with a few liters of water in it, like what's the big deal? It's not like a 30 pound backpack. And then like, literally the only time that either of us got muled on the 48 was for I got muled by Jack during the Carter Mariah section. And it was like, it was ludicrous. It was like, it was like mind blowing how, how much easier it was. So that's, yeah. Again, I, I really think, I really think if you want to, if you want to really show your potential on a long supported thing, you've got to be muled and you've got to be paced for pretty much the whole thing um and and that's that's difficult to do that's difficult to do if you're if you're an amateur so 
I really like this this concept of uh of sort of a hub for a hub for interested pacers and um you know what I might even look into uh to trying to set something like that up I think that'd be cool yeah this person who submitted that question um I think you've got a, a gold mine of an idea yeah yeah for sure um I think we covered basically every single question. Oh, all right. Last one. Last one. This is a really, really important one. Jason Hardrath, question number 69 that he submitted. Uh, what is the best mountain slash FKT slash outdoor podcast? And the answer clearly is from the back country. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's undeniable, undeniable logic. Yeah, this is not even like a, I don't think this is even really a, a topic worth conversation. Um, there actually are no other outdoor podcasts besides this one. Right. Uh, single Track Who? Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> the reputation of the precedes it. Yeah, exactly. People know the kind of the kind of quality, the kind of uh, the kind of insight that they're getting from this podcast, and it is simply unmatched by anything else on the market. <laughs> and the market dictates the my dozens and dozens of uh, of listeners dictate the worth of this podcast. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. In all seriousness, I uh, I love doing this. This is so much fun. I uh, I I love every single one of my listeners. You guys are awesome, and you guys make it worth doing. Um, I think this is kind of it, man. I think we're to the end of the questions. Is there anything else that that you want to talk about while we're uh, while we're here? Nah. <laughs> Sick. Uh, uh, no, it's it, it's it's been fun. Uh, th- these were a bunch of like good questions. I feel like um, there was stuff like outside the norm of just uh, you know what's the next FKT plan. So um, yep, yeah, it was very fun. Cool. Yeah. All right. I'll get this uploaded. Uh, we'll we'll get the poll out about the best sunrise. We'll. Uh, I'll get back to those couple people on the questions that I oh. like. Oh, you got something? If if anybody tries the Morton bicarb mix, like Jack Kenzel has, yeah, send in how it works from the backcountry. Uh, from the backcountry, from the backcountry at gmail.com or the yeah. uh, or the or the pod's Instagram page. You can DM me. But yes, what 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 is the point? Is it like? It's supposed to clear. I don't know what. What is the point of bicarb? Um, it like makes you a lot better at like flushing lactate out, essentially. Um, oh, interesting. For like for like three hours at a time, and then but in the past it's been done like you could take in baking soda, and it was like a fifty-fifty shot whether you're gonna like have violent diarrhea or you're gonna like 
move like move insane or like your body was just going to work insanely well right and morton has done its hydro gels to basically like make it so that you won't have violent diarrhea um but jack is the only person that i know who has like gotten it so if anybody else has tried it or is looking to try it like let us know because i'm very interested in how that works yeah i'm gonna have to whether it's the the what was that like like whether it's like reasonable for like a long effort and not just like um you know an hour or two yeah sure yeah that's interesting i I, i'm gonna have to do some research into sort of like the the mechanism of this and like how it's supposed to work is it just like i know by so bicarb should like pumping yourself full of bicarb should lower your not lower uh raise your your blood ph and like clear clear sort of like hydrogen ions out of your blood is that sort of the idea behind it yeah it's it's supposed to counteract like the um the acidity like from lactic acid interesting i wonder so again i'm in resp right now in uh i'm in resp right now in in med school and like uh people can take a sort of a bicarb stimulator at elevation um for like altitude medicine and one of the one of the uh so the, like the way that bicarb lowers your or raises your blood ph is that it pushes there's like a there's an equation sort of an equilibrium between bicarb and co2 in your body and it pushes it towards co2 the the one of the consequences of that is like raised like elevated co2 levels in your blood will stimulate sort of a hypoxic drive even if you're not hypoxic and it'll make you breathe like it'll it'll make it'll increase your your ventilatory drive so like i mean if you're running that's not really a problem like your 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 ventilatory drive is already high anyway but it would just be interesting to see if like how long the bicarb stays in your body and if it's like pumping up your ventilatory drive even when you're at rest because of increased co2 levels in your body but yeah fascinating yeah try it out try it out try and it let out us know um and also if you like the podcast or hated the podcast leave us a five-star review and i'll read it out and and tell me how much you hate me in that five-star review Tell me how much you hate Xander in that five-star review. Amen. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, it's been a pleasure. I got to run, um, but go follow Xander on Instagram at xkiter2. Go follow the pod on Instagram at from the Bat Country. Um, it's been a great time. Sure has. Can't wait to can't wait to be back again. All right. Yeah, you're never coming on again. All right, ciao later.